Let's talk about Andrew Watson, noted as the most influential black footballer ever. Let's also discuss Honey Williams not being invited to the unveiling of a mural in 2021. What about Jackie Wright, honoured as the UK's most influential black person on the Powerless 2022? And a whole lot more. This is Pablo from Hackney, and this is Pablo's podcast. Thank you for choosing Pablo's podcast today. Welcome. Instead of letting your hardships and failures discourage or exhaust you, let them inspire you. Let them make you even hungrier to succeed. Michelle Obama. So this is episode 78, still here, sparking debate in October, Black History Month. So this month, we also have Zambia's Independence Day. October the 24th, they were made independent in 1964, and then also St. Vincent and the Grenadines, um, the 27th of October, 1979, so I'm sure people from both of those countries will be celebrating this month. Okay, so also, um, something that I spoke about a couple of podcasts ago, the Windrush um, monument that is going to be erected in London's Waterloo Station. They, they did a competition to see which designer would win the opportunity to put their sculpture there. So the winner is um, Jamaican sculptor Basil Watson. So congratulations to Basil. Um, his monument will be up in 2022 um, on Windrush Day, the 22nd of June. Um, he, he spoke about feeling truly honoured to be chosen and um, a privilege um, that now his, his, opportunity to shoot, his opportunity to express the inspirations, visions, courage of his parents who took a long sea voyage to England in 1952. He can now, you know put his piece down and, and make his mark. So congratulations to Basil. Well, well deserved. Look forward to seeing that. No, I, I can't remember the last time I've been to Waterloo Station, but I'll, I'll make the, the extra trip just to see the monument for sure. So um, a couple of people I learned about um, this week. Um, Stan Thorne, st- not Stan Thorne, Stan Horn, actually, um, ex-Manchester City um, player. Um, so basically, he got his league medal 53 years after the fact. Um, he was uh, the first black player to win in the English league. Um, and I think it was because he had, he had a, serious foot injury, a serious foot injury. So he didn't, he didn't play as many games. And I think he had to play X amount of games through that season to be given a medal. But in later years, they've, they changed the the rules around that and so now 53 years later he gets his medal so congratulations to him obviously he's spoken about being overjoyed etc but um but yeah I mean just just the fact that he didn't get his medal we would have never heard of him so the fact that he's getting it now better late than never now I'm speaking about him you know he's, he's his name is out there and he's still alive as well so that's it's nice that he he got his um his medal um, whilst being alive, and he can he can really appreciate it. So yeah, so yeah, Stan Thorne. So he, he's 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 done his thing. 
And then also, um, Andrew Watson, who um, is recognised as the most influential um, black footballer um, in, in the past, basically. Um, he captained Scotland's uh, 6-1 win over England when, in his debut in 1881. And, um, yeah, he was a pioneer, like I said, first black international player. Um, his parents uh, descended... Um, well, he descended from slaves. Um, his parents were born in, in Guyana um, and raised in England as English gentlemen. I think they even said he, he would have spoken with a... Um, of an upper-class accent back in 1881 um, due to his public schooling, etc. So, um, but yeah, he's, he's, he, it's said that he's, he was the conduit um, and helped modernise uh, football during the, during the great period of, um, I think basically when they changed, uh, when the football game went from individ the individual dribbling game to like the passing game that we see now. So he was, he was, uh, known to be the conduit from that, bringing that from Scotland and whatnot. So yeah, but he, he was also like a captain, a national cup winner, administrator, investor, um, and football match official. So so yeah, his contribution is is long and vast. But again, this is somebody I I never heard of um, previously, um, and now I know about him. So for all the avid football people out there, you have another another icon to speak about and discuss, for sure. So, um, yeah, good to hear about Andrew Watson. And there's a, there's a few pictures of him. I've seen two pictures of him. Um, yeah, two pictures of him floating around. So, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll share those as well. Okay, so um, the COVID situation in, in Russia, numbers are spiking there. Um, when I heard about that, I did... I remember that they had their own vaccine um, for a while in the early early stages, and um, haven't heard too much about that since. But yeah, but either way, the yeah their their levels have gone up like a thousand plus was recorded um, recently, um, thousand plus deaths um, related to COVID. Um, apparently, they they there's been widespread distrust there in regards to vaccines and things like that. So. So, yeah, that's the situation they're in. And, you know, it, it makes me feel... Because I think in England at the moment, it feels kind of like we're, we're, we've got over this curve, you know, we've, we've kind of managed it and things are all OK. But as I've, as I've said before, until the rest of the world, you know, is in the same position at the same time, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not sure how, how long that lasts for because, you know, we're an island, you know, um, and we, 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 we're an international country, you know, a lot of travel in and out, a lot of business happens. So, so yeah, until the planet is okay, um, we're, we're all still a little bit vulnerable. But it doesn't feel like that at this present time, to me anyway, in the UK. But then you read something like that and it's, it's like, well, you know, people are still going for it in the world. So um, hopefully that will rectify itself in the, in the near future. Um, but also Australia, um, they're still still going through it as well. After starting off really well, to be fair, in regards to COVID, they they seem to be a beacon of light. The way they were dealing with it and the low numbers initially, but now things have changed. But um, but as you know, Australia are quite hard with their 
with their rules and things. Um, and so recently, the, they've come out to say that um, they're making the vaccine mandatory for athletes and what they call authorised um, workers. So they must have that. Basically, they, they've said that, I think it was the Prime Minister, actually, he said, um, basically, they must have the vaccine, uh, the first shot by the 15th of October, and um, their second shot by the 26th of November, or face being banned from their workplaces. And I watched the interview with, I'm sure it was the, the, the it was either the governor or the, or the president or the prime minister, I'm not sure what, what they call it in Australia, but he was, you know, he didn't mince his words, you know, there was no, no empathy, it was just straight, this is what's happening, do it or you're out, you're banned from work. Um, so, yeah, but this category of authorised workers, um, like I said, it's high-profile, high-profile, uh, high-performance professional sports people, workers that support, support the safe running of um, professional sports and broadcasters. I think that it covers a few other people as well, but, yeah. So, I haven't heard too much uh, news on it, but obviously it's happening, but it hasn't been brought to the forefront from what I can see. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously England's doing their thing with the the home workers, the healthcare workers that work in old people's homes, and being quite strict with that. So, um, re- I suppose we're all looking to see how strict the UK gets with that going forward. Time will tell. But if they follow Australia's lead, um, we've got an inkling to what might be coming. So we'll see. So unfortunately, um, we've lost one young person um, in Twickenham, um, a 16-year-old boy on Tuesday. Um, in fact, a six, yeah, 16-year-old boy in Twickenham was charged with the murder of an 18-year-old Hazrat Wally, um, stabbed to death on a playing field in, in southwest London. So my thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family and friends. Always sad to hear, a, a, you know, a young life, a young life gone, you know, when you think of all that that young person could have brought to the world. So, yeah, thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family. So, there's been um, a, it was like a, a study, a report, a new report in regards to racism in the music industry. And um, the one of the author of the report said racism in the British industry is serious, upfront and personal. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it said, uh, you know, prejudice, prejudice is there, you know, it's not, it's not even, he said, he actually said, um, there's nothing stealthy about it, you know, so it's in your face pretty much, you know, so, which is not, not, um, nice to hear. Um, but, you know, from my understanding of the music industry, as much as there's lots of money in it and, you know, people, you know, kind of... You know, it's life, life-changing money, life-changing fame, and, and etc. There are... There is a lot of work to do. I, I recognise that from the past as well, from things that I know about the music industry. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's organisations that I've gone out of their way to kind of explore this a bit more, you know, and, and write this report. So um, there's a, what's his name, Roger Wilson. Um, he is the, he's from Black Lives in Music Initiative. 
so those are his, those are the comments that he, he he looked at and then he's helped to kind of dig into this a bit more. But um, it's, I think they said 86% um, of people um, spoken to say that they they face barriers to their career because of their race, you know. Um, but this report is the biggest ever survey of black musicians in the industry um, and professionals in the UK. In total, they... Uh, it was like 1,718 um, people responded, um, describing a range of, you know, discriminatory acts and, um, you know, speaking about how it's sometimes a hostile working environment, etc. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, I suppose... And, and I suppose it's something that, you know, when when people are being paid a, a lot of money, I suppose a lot of people might feel like they don't want to speak up because they don't want to mess up their situation and things like that. So if people can kind of navigate through, they kind of navigate through and take the rough with the smooth. But um, but there are there's things going on and, you know, this has allowed people to express what they're really experiencing, you know. And unfortunately, they said um, black women in particular were worse off in the, in the music industry. You know, there was a um, one woman, one twenty, was a twenty-seven-year-old um, woman. She spoke about her experience in the microaggressions, and you know, you know, she's doing things such as reaching out to people. You know, just the normal things, trying to promote herself and get things moving for her. And you know, the response is that she's pushy, she's aggressive um, for doing basic things like following up emails that she sent out two weeks earlier. So. You know, being labelled with these these um, derogatory and negative labels, you know. Um, yeah, so, pe- so people are going for it. People are going for it. But um, like I said, hopefully, with all of the... I mean, there were a lot of powerful, somewhat, you know, black people within the music industry. And, you know, I suppose the hope is that they kind of band together and, and help to be part of the change and try to shift things a little bit, make things a little bit even. You know, and you know this goes down to pay as well. Obviously, it affects how much people are paid and things like that. So there's a whole report on it, as I said. So definitely worth looking into, and I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on that for sure. So um, on a positive note, though, um, I found out about a woman from Tottenham who is now um, the corporate vice president and chief digital officer for Microsoft in the U.S. And her name is Jackie Wright. Um, and she's been named as the UK's most influential black person um, by the Powerless 2022. So, yeah, I watched a, a whole kind of documentary on her and her story and what she's currently doing. And, yeah, it's really inspirational. Really, really inspirational. Like I said, she's from Tottenham. Her parents are, and family are originally from Jamaica. Um, but to see a, a black woman um, in such a powerful position and like I said been noted as the most influential black person um, 2022 um, I could just see how that would it will inspire young black young and old older um, black women um, to you know explore many different you know options out there to them because they you know seeing somebody do it you know um, I think that's probably underestimated how important it is to see somebody that looks like you doing something, you know, same race, same gender, same colour, etc. 
So, so yeah, hats off to her, man. It was a really, if you can, if you can find that, that doc, it's definitely worth um, looking into. But, yeah, Jackie Wright. But salute, salute to you, Jackie, um, for, for making The Powerless 2022. Welcome to Pablo's Podcast. Join me on a weekly basis with social commentary on current affairs which affect us the most. Come and muse with me. What you can expect is uplifting, positive discussions, interviews on our social, physical and cultural well-being. Voicing some of the perspectives we share but maybe don't vocalise enough. I'll be going through my bucket list of interviewees over the coming weeks. We're guaranteed to get an honest, authentic perspective and insight into what's going on now. If you like what you hear, please click the subscribe button. Please share on your social media apps and please leave a review. Look forward to spending some time with you over these coming weeks. Thanks for joining me. Take care. So an artist uh, by the name of Honey Williams, um, she created a a mural in Nottingham, uh, Nottingham um, on the Beeston Canal um, of of, um, Eric Irons, OBE. Um, He was uh, the first first black British uh, magistrate. So she created the mural, um, but what happened is um, she wasn't invited to the unveiling of the mural. So she's really livid, you know, upset, embarrassed, angry, all of these things. Um, and rightfully so, you know, rightfully so. You created a piece of art that's going to be there and stand the test of time. And, and now, you know, you, you're, you wasn't there for the opening of it, you know, and that, so that'd be part of the legacy of it and whatnot. Um, but she also went on to say that it, that it wasn't even finished. So there was some real miscommunication and uh, some stuff that's gone on that that is not right and not really sure how you kind of rectify that because you can't go back in time you know but yeah so the unveiling was it happened october the 4th um uh the pe- the nottingham council etc the people have apologized for it but she's still not happy and you can understand why you know, you can understand why. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I think they will be letting her finish the painting, um, the mural and whatnot. But, but like I said, it's history now. So part of, you know, anybody looking at that, that post, that uh, mural, you know, that's part of the story now. So, um, but yeah, but Mr. Irons, um, Mr. Eric Irons, I'd, again, I'd never heard of him before. Um, but now I have, and unfortunately, I'm hearing him under these <laughs> about him under these circumstances. But yeah, he was born in Jamaica um, in 1921, I believe, and um, settled in Nottingham um, in 1948, uh, following RAF um, service in World War II. And yeah, he um, campaigned for social justice and became the first Black um, Justice of the Peace in 1962. So. Hats off to Mr. Eric Irons, OBE. Yeah, so again, you know, it's, it's interesting how much um, history comes up through Black History Month. So, 
you know, for all of the those naysayers who see no value in it, um, you know, I I learn something new every Black History Month. You know, this history's been there, you know, f- forever, but there's so much of it that's not been put to the forefront, especially about you know stuff that happens in the UK and, and stuff that can inspire you in the UK as a as a Black person. Um, it just goes to show, you know, there's just a lot out there that's not been said and. You know, myself, I, I don't... Not that I ever wanted to be a judge or a lawyer, but who knows? If when I was a kid, I knew about um, Eric Irons, who knows if I would have been inspired to be a judge or a magistrate or anything else. Um, as I said, it's, it's really important to see people that look like you doing things, and it lets you know, OK, this is an option. But when you don't see... Not that you, you won't believe things are an option, but you know, you could, you you could, you know, you could limit yourself, and we do limit ourselves if we're honest. We do, you know. So, um, so yeah, good to know about him now, um, and I'll be letting my kids know about him and everybody else that I hear learn about as I do. So, COP twenty six, the climate change summit in Glasgow. Um, that's coming up um, between the 31st of October to the 12th of November. Um, in the, it's going to be at the Scottish Exhibition Campus. And um, Barack Obama's confirmed he'll be attending. Um, he's expected to be meeting with, um, with young climate change activists, um, which would be really good for them as well. And again, the, you know, Obama's a perfect example, going back to what I said, of um, you know, seeing somebody do it that looks like you. Um, you know, because if he was a, any, before Obama, um, there was no example and there was no thoughts to, to many of us that you could be a prime minister or a um, president, you know. But Obama, once Obama did that, it, it, opened, it opened the door, really. Not that there's been anyone since, but um, in time, I'm sure there will be because... You know, it's open. And he's also an example of somebody who didn't need to see somebody in that position to believe and, and, and go for that opportunity of becoming the president. So, like I said, it, it does work both ways, but, you know, some people do need to see somebody in that position first, so it works both ways. But, yeah, um, so the, the COP26, um, yeah, well needed. You know, the world, the world is getting warmer because of fossil fuel emissions um, caused by humans. So, you know, it, it is happening. I know there's still some naysayers, but, you know, we're, we're living through the extreme um, weather events linked to climate change, like the heat waves, the floods, forest fires. So, so yeah, it's, it's, they do need to sit down. So I think they've got... Um, I mean, they need to sit down. They need to come to... They need to stand up, really. <laughs> stand up together, you know, um, and collectively do something to impact it, you know, impact it in a positive way. So um, there's 120 um, heads of state at the conference and stuff, so hopefully they can kind of see eye to eye and, and make, some, make some differences. And, you know, even us, you know, just normal people like you and me, we can do our bit as well. I mean, one of, one of my things is um, I remember hearing I remember hearing a poem about about uh about plastic plastic bags and 
it, it had a line, I can't remember the line now, but it spoke about plastic bags and, and how long they last on the planet, like after they, we finish using them. And I was shocked um, that they, you know, they'll be on the planet for like 400 years, pretty much. So each plastic bag you, because it's not something that's biodegradable and things like that, it, it will survive on the planet for up to 400 years. And so from that point, um, I've stopped buying plastic bags. So I've got my Tesco's um, material-type bags for when I go shopping, and I keep them in the boot of my car, and those are the bags that I use, you know, going forward. So, so yeah, that, there's little things that we can do, and there's, there's loads more things, but that, that, that is one of the things that just come to mind for me. So, yeah. Um, but one of the other... I saw a, a, another little documentary about... Um, in relation to climate change, um, life at 50 Celsius, it was called, um, and it spoke about the the rising temperatures and desert desert desertification um, uh, that's wiping out communities. And to be fair, I haven't even heard that word before. I didn't even know that was a word, desertification. Hence why I'm having problems <laughs> saying it. But um, but basically, it's when um, you know areas of land become desert. You know, they, they, so and that's happening more and more. So, in um, Mediterranean, um, the people are seeing firsthand impacts of climate change, where their towns, their cities are gradually being covered by sand. And yes, it just looked, it looks it's scary in, in many ways. Um, because it's like, you know, obviously it's sand, but the way how it moves and, and settles, it's like it's flooding areas, you know, but it's in sand, you know, if that, if that makes sense. But, um, so yeah, uh, so people, you know, and seeing the scenes of, because obviously food becomes scarce and, you know, literally running out, and they've resorted to feeding their herds of goats cardboard. I, I couldn't believe it. Like, it just looked so odd. And, the, you know, the... The herder was saying how, how he um, at first they they didn't like the taste, but afterwards they got used to it because they understood they would starve. And you know, just seeing them eating buckets full of just torn up cardboard, and yeah, just thought to myself like, how long can that last? Because I'm sure there's zero nutrients coming from from cardboard. So you know, it's an absolute temporary measure but yeah um, really really sad to see and obviously these um, people have to leave their ancestral homes you know in search of, of better life so so yeah climate change is a real thing man it's a real thing and it, it's happening and yeah we, we definitely need to come together and, and do our bit to extend um, our time on the planet to be fair and our way of life on the planet so um, I saw a an amazing clip of a rare um, tornado-like, it's called a water spout, basically, um, in, it was in, where was that? That was in Cuba. Um, so basically, it's a tornado um, that happens over the water, over the sea, and it sucks the sea up and connects with the cloud and, and twists, and yeah. Um, and yeah, it just it just looked like, some type of alien invasion, to be fair. It just, yeah, it looks extraordinary, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, um, if, you can, if you can find that clip as well, you'll probably see that, um, 
you probably see that going around. I've, I've, I've only just seen it, so I'm sure that'll be all over the news shortly. But um, but yeah, I, I don't. I think I don't know if that's connected to. I don't think that's connected to climate change. To be fair, I think that's just a, a natural phenomenon. But it's quite rare, and they are really dangerous. But as long as they stay over sea, they're safe. Um, so that one stayed over sea. So people took loads of flicks of it, loads of pictures and videos. So yeah, but yeah, that was that was interesting to see. So, on the entertainment front, everyone's talking about this show, Squid Game, on Netflix. Um, I, I haven't watched it in full. I accidentally caught a clip of it, you know, I uh, walked into the room and people were watching it. And, um, and yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, everybody's talking about it. Red light, green light, and, you know, obviously, it's a, it's a, basically, it's a Korean, a Korean thriller. Um, tells the story of people, uh, debt-ridden people competing for huge cash prizes um, in a deadly series of um, of children's games, basically. Um, and Red Line, Red Light, Green Light was the one that I saw. I, I don't know if I'm sure they have other games in there, but I'll check it out in time. I mean, it's 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 not something that drew me initially, to be fair. Um, but as I was watching it, you know, the concept of adults playing a child, child's game for loads of money and when you lose, you die. You know, it, it, it got me watching it, to be fair, in that moment. But I haven't got back to it yet. But, you know, it's, it's, it's big. You know, it's, it's the biggest uh, Netflix series ever, knocking Bridgerton off the top spot. So people love it. People love it. And like I said, some, I'll probably... I'll probably watch that over Christmas, something like that. Cause I, don't, I don't know if I'll get the time to to sit and watch it. But yeah, it's, it's, everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. So it's definitely doing something. Um, so Good Morning Britain um, are starting a new show called Off the Table, um, and it's going to be a YouTube original series, their first first of its kind, um, and. It will be like 15-minute um, hot topics episodes, um, including stuff about money, climate change, council culture, life after COVID and things like that. So just basically some of the most important issues affecting um, 18 to 34-year-olds in modern Britain. And it's going to be hosted by Julie Adenuga, um, Skepta's sister. Um, so hats off to her for securing that situation that's really good um i've got no doubt it's going to be a great show so i'll I'll be watching that and you know keeping keeping tabs on how you know the sort of stuff they're talking about not keeping tabs but you know just watching it with interest to be fair um but yeah really good and hopefully hopefully that makes it to primetime tv you know um rather than just staying on youtube although although i can see why it's on youtube because young people consume because it's directed at young people um, and young people consume most of their well all of their news really from online so it makes sense that it's online and in short bits because of attention span but yeah i've got no doubt that no doubt that's going to be great so yeah um so it is black history month um like i said previously um blackhistorymonth.org.uk um if you're looking for things to do with your family um 
if you want to introduce people to black history, you know, people from other cultures, um, you know, take them along to the various events across the country. Um, but yeah, it's been a good week. Um, lots of lots has gone on. Um, to be fair, I'm, I'm I'm waiting for an extended gap in the rain and the moisture out there, so I can give the grass one more cut before winter fully kicks in. Um, so fingers crossed before November I get to do that because I don't want to wait until too late. I've got big plans for my gardening um, adventures next year, so I want to. If I can get that window to prep things, I'll, I'll be happy. But yes, so thank you for again for choosing Pablo's podcast today. And hopefully you can join me on the next one. Until then, take care and be nice to each other. Thank you for listening to Pablo's podcast. I'm Pablo from Hackney and you can catch me next week for more healthy discussion.